Could China's economic woes be the tipping point for a global economic reshuffle? And how will nations adapt to this new reality? In a moment, we'll speak with China Insider's David Zhang. But first, a brief look into China's financial climate right now. China is experiencing a significant economic downturn, marked by a prolonged deflationary period. This unexpected shift challenges the long-standing narrative of China's unstoppable growth, which has shaped global economic and geopolitical expectations for decades. The trend is attributed to a complex web of economic issues, including a debt crisis, particularly in the real estate sector, where overbuilding and slowing population growth have led to collapsing property prices. An ideological shift coupled with these challenges suggests a China that is selectively choosing its battles and defending its remaining advantages more fiercely. These pressures go beyond the economy, reflecting a psychological shift amongst the Chinese people, signifying a shift in hope and optimism for the future. One thing is for sure, China's economic challenges will have far-reaching implications for the rest of the region into the years ahead. Let's bring in David Zhang now from China Insider. Great to see you, David. Um, talk to us about the factors contributing to China's economic downturn. China has traditionally been propped up by three golden industries. One of them is the export manufacturing. The second is the domestic real estate. And the third is the boosting of consumptions to turn the overall economy. Now, all three of these so-called golden industries have uh, been at their lowest points. And we continue to see a drop in points in the domestic share market. And so these are some of the contributing factors. Now, there's also another one, which is mentioned in the package about the mounting debt here. We're talking about hidden debt. Now, it's, even though it's not as much as the United States debt, uh, China's a lot of the debt comes from infrastructure projects. Now, infrastructure then tend to be very beautiful buildings or bridges, but they don't really uh, generate revenue in the sense that you could with another economic project. And so China has mounted over the years a huge amount of these debt investments, so to speak, uh, among other factors like a lack of consumption, lack of spending, as well as in deflation, which is caused largely by consumer confidence at an all-time low. Uh, these are some of the biggest factors. David, it's often said that China will grow old before it grows rich. And that seems to be something that is coming true, as you say. They've had this huge amount of growth in terms of building and economic growth as well over the past 20 years. But what goes up must at least be able to slow down, right? A lot of this is, uh, you're right, Aaron. Uh, it's actually a reflection of the policy. From the very top. Uh, take the population you mentioned, for example, now China has an aging population, it has a declining population. There's a lack of birth, uh, more death rate than birth rates in China. And so this really reflects on the one-child policy suddenly moving, stopping to go to the two-child, three-child policy. Uh, so it's a reflection of the overall state of the government because it's being controlled by a very pendulum 180 to one-way extreme policy. So I think it has to change fundamentally for, from the extremes uh, in order for it to solve some of the fundamental problems. From the Western perspective, China has been able to grow ever since Richard Nixon went to China. Uh, the Australian Prime Minister at the time, Gough Whitlam, went to China as well back in the 1970s. And since then, the relationship essentially has been that China will buy natural resources and minerals and things like coal and iron ore to be able to grow. That's been the relationship from Australia's perspective and from the United States' perspective. It's been really handy for businesses to be able to manufacture 
out of China. But if growth slows, then China's need for commodities, no doubt, will start to slow. And then we're seeing that as the middle class grow, it's becoming harder and politics is getting harder in China for Western companies to deal with. And now we're starting to see some Western companies pull out their manufacturing and shift it elsewhere. What impact will that have over the next five years uh, for the Chinese economy? Now, we're already seeing the effects of withdrawn of the foreign businesses, on, especially with the United States, is that uh, there's a direct lack of jobs in China when it comes to particularly higher end of earning. Now, you still have lower ends of earnings, such as food delivery, constructions, and so on. Now, the other aspect is every country so far has been battling the acceptance, this term, for what's uh, acceptable when dealing with China, what's not, which is translated into a term we often hear now called de-risking with China, right? Because of political and geopolitical reasonings. Now, so over the next few years, I think we're going to be seeing a trend where China becomes further isolated because of geopolitical uh, reasons, such as invading Taiwan and so on, that I think more, less and less countries are willing to deal with China. There's more options outside of China that can provide similar services China had provided over the past 30 to 40 years, yeah. but with less of a political baggage. And it's that political baggage that, of course, we talk about that we're watching. Um, but the grass is always greener. So that may stay in China's favor. We'll see. David Jang from China Insider. Always appreciate your time. Thank you.